Welcome to the Burbs Minute Podcast, quite possibly the greatest Betty Moose movie ever made. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Chris Derkach. In this episode, we're covering Minute 74 of the Burbs, which begins with Rumsfeld and with Ray going over the fence. And going over the fence for one last minute is Jason Hawk from Atomic Trivia War 9000. Chris, Jeff, I feel like I'm being ousted here. What's up with the term limits on the Burbs Minute Podcast? I feel like term limits are a quality idea. They get rid case. of people who are just dead weight. I mean, what? <laughs> well, if that was true, we would be gone. Right. And there would just be a rotating guest hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Which I must say, before I, when I first came up with wanting to do the Burbs, that was my original intent. I was going to do every week, I was going to have a different co-host. And then I realized the logistics behind that. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's, that's not possible. Oh, that's how the Atomic Trivia War 9000 started off, too. The very first few episodes are like me and then inviting a different panel of contestants every single week. And that lasted, I think, about 10 episodes. It's totally untenable. No, because what happens when it's hard to get one person who is committed to doing it to show up every week. And that includes me and him. Yes. (laughs) Originally, I was like, what we'll do is we'll record a bunch of them and we'll get like two weeks ahead. And then I won't have to. I can, you know, I'll be able to edit in peace. I'll be a couple weeks ahead. Yeah, that lasted about three weeks. And well, now, not only really that, but with a different group every week, you have to kind of find like, you gotta, you gotta gel, man. You gotta find some repartee. Well, and that's the thing. Even jumping in to do Atomic Trivia War was tough because it's you guys record all the time. So now it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta try to find my flow and jump in. It didn't help that the last fifteen minutes I started to lag. So I'm getting everything like three seconds later, and I'm like, yeah, so I – oh, sh-. They already moved on. <laughs> yeah, life moves pretty fast on the Atomic Trivia War 9000. Yes, I know. I totally blame uh, when you guys had that open competition where all your people could uh, get on there. We did 50 questions. I maintain to this day that I would have won if I would have had a better internet connection. He's asked this to me a couple times already, too, so I, I believe that he, he believes that at least. This is an excuse <laughs> that we've labeled the Omar Gambit. <laughs> Because I was like, next time, I go, I'm not even using Wi-Fi. I'm plugging directly in. <laughs> but then the problem was then it got in my head because then, like, I was 20 questions in, and I realized that I was always behind. So I'm like, okay, that means I just got to answer faster. Well, what happens when you start trying to answer faster than your brain moves? You inevitably make a stupid mistake. Yeah. And I got a Star Trek question wrong, and I wanted to hang myself. Yeah, uh, news flash for you, Jeff. Luke Skywalker's not in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in your Star Trek. He's not. <laughs> He's in all my fan fiction. <laughs> Although we were watching uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe just the other day, the, the classic 1980s cartoon, not the movie. And uh, Skeletor whipped out a lightsaber. Oh, really? as, he, as he should. Of course he should. <laughs> I mean, everyone should whip out a lightsaber. They do in Transformers the movie. Oh, t- t- don't mention that. I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> you mentioned that. I saw the first one, and I was like, what is this garbage? I watched like 20 minutes of the second one. I'm like, nope, I'm out. No, 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 no. Not the modern day Transformers. The movie. Oh, you mean I'm the good movie, the, the movie that actually exists. Yeah. 1986, The Death of Optimus Prime. Oh, the one Spoilers. where I cried, that one? <laughs> the one where I lost my innocence. Yeah. My and I don't mean as a child. I mean when I was 30, when I watched <laughs> it again. Yeah, I can't imagine. If you, yeah, do, do that minute by minute. And like that minute is just people coming on, people of a certain age coming on going, <laughs> Daddy, why did you leave me? <laughs> I mean, that's like for a kid, that's like, you know, uh, pet dying level trauma. Yeah. 
kids of that age, kids of now probably wouldn't care. Ugh, whatever, man. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Optimus <laughs> Prime was our Obama. <laughs> Obama Prime. And I'm off to Twitter for a totally unrelated tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the moron's going to go. Yeah, like, uh, Rumsfeld goes to set off his communication base. Oh, he, he does remember to give them a walkie-talkie, which yeah, I don't know if it would have been twice as funny if they didn't have one at all. <laughs> right. And he's he talking hands to, to Ray, and Ray automatically gives us to Art, who's in, like, you know, catatonic state. So we do get a, a decent look at Ricky's house here because he's watching the uh, events unfold. Yeah. He's got one pole painted sort of red and one pole painted sort of blue. <laughs> so was he going for, like, a, a red and blue thing, like a carnival look, or red, white, and blue, like he's going uh, patriotic? He was going patriotic. Trying to get on Rumsfeld's good side? <laughs> Again, though, he's got 37 cans of paint out there, and he's painted the equivalent of eight minutes of painting. <laughs> yeah. Patriotic colors were pretty cool. They were pretty hip in 1989, even among the youth subculture. But, you know, if it was really a 1989 paint job, you would need some fuchsia or hot pink. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, totally unrelated, so my person who lived next door to me growing up put up some pictures from when we were kids. There's a picture of me at Great Adventure with Bugs Bunny wearing – is three of us in the picture, and that is that is our entire ensemble. It's probably about that year, too. It's probably around – Maybe a little, yeah, about 89. And everybody's wearing very light colors, light pink, light blue. Everybody's in pastels. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I hate my parents. I've got a photo like that from a trip to Niagara Falls right around that same year where it's a neon pink ball cap. And I think it might have even said Niagara on it. Oh. And then you've got the uh, the rat tail coming down in the back, the you know, party in the back. <laughs> Yeah, I also and I topped it off with the um, the white, which should be an undershirt. It's not quite a wife beater, but I wouldn't have looked out of place if I had rolled up a pack of cigarettes in my uh, my shirt sleeve. <laughs> was it one of those microfiber ones that had like the, all the we, tiny holes all over it? Oh no, we didn't have that kind of money. You <laughs> <laughs> don't have money holes. I was a great I was a great adventure for God's sake. Couldn't afford to go to Disney World. I'm with Bugs Bunny, not Mickey Mouse. Was there some sort of palm tree screen on the shirt? That no, was very 1989. I, I don't yeah. think it was on mine. I think it was on somebody else's, though. <laughs> or on their shorts, which would have been just as bad. And the palm tree was rainbow color. Yeah. That was a big a big set of years for pastels around that time. And then shortly after, we, we course corrected too far the other way, and everything went black. Yeah. yeah so we get a... We get our own Looney Tunes moment here. Speaking of uh, Bugs Bunny, we get the we get the outline of art in the, in the uh, top of the shed where he fell through. It just happens that the camera's facing right through that hole. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I'm no uh, I'm no expert on woodworking. I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be a person-sized hole though, especially not falling through wood of that type. You don't think it would make a perfect person such shape? I mean. In my mind, I would hope so. I would hope so, too. I've always hoped that if I ran through a wall at some point, it would just leave a me-sized hole in it. <laughs> but I really think what would happen is, even if I somehow ended up on the other side of the wall, I would collapse from all the lacerations and bruising and blood loss. Yeah, and uh, it would just be a giant hole in the wall. This is what we know in, in I mean, academic circles as the Kool-Aid Man paradox. Where you look at the Kool-Aid man, he always leaves a Kool-Aid man-shaped hole in the wall that he smashes through. But you got to think, wouldn't the glass just break? 
It's not glass. It's transparent aluminum. Oh, see, we're going high tech there. <laughs> and if you got that reference, you're a huge nerd. It's Star Trek Four. Yes. The one with the whales. Oh, my God. We brought that up twice this week. That's okay. That came up twice. <laughs> Hello, computer. <laughs> oh, I have to type. How, how old? Uh, that was one of my favorite ones because they just totally disregard everything you've ever learned in a, in a time travel movie where they're like, um, you're just going to give these people new technology? Eh, maybe he invented it anyway. Oh, okay. Is that how that works? <laughs> but there's also the existential threat to the entire Star Trek universe that it introduces, which is, hey, guys, we learned how to go back in time anytime we want. And all you have to do is get a Klingon bird of prey and go around the sun real fast. Yeah. So I guess we're now Time Lords. Yes. And we're going to never do this again. I mean, we're going to go back in time all the time. But each time we have to find a more crazy, convoluted way to do it. <laughs> Some other way to do it. One time we're going to use a DeLorean. Another time a phone booth. <laughs> another time a, a police call box. A hot tub. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take issue with something that you said, Jeff. This this is not Bugs Bunny. This is, uh, this is Wile E. Coyote. Yeah, but oh, I, only, yeah. I only met that it was in the same universe. Relax yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Am, am, I getting too, am I getting too legalistic here with my Looney Tunes? Yeah, what are you, a WB lawyer? Settle down. Are you that little frog? Are you a, what the hell's his name? Something B, something frog? Mortimer frog? I can't remember. Michigan J. That's it. I was close. Mortimer's Hello, a stupid baby. name, too. Hello, my ragtime gal. If you think about it, though, oh. Art is more a Wiley Coyote than anything. He's always coming up with the, the, the most fantastical plan. Yeah. Listen to how <laughs> I work this in. It's speaking going to explode of, in his face. Speaking of Michigan J. Frog, speaking of a singing frog, speaking of space balls, oh, that was going to be my last trivia question, was about space balls, but it was ruined. <laughs> so I can't ask it now. So I, don't know, I ask you, uh, what is your favorite Looney Tunes character? And I'll tell you why you're wrong. I don't understand. Did you die, Chris? <laughs> I'm here. Well, I, what I said was I can't ask you this other question because we just brought up exactly what I was going to ask. Oh, uh, okay. So as occasionally I'm going to say Yosemite Sam. What do we say, Chris? My my favorite. I'm going to go with uh, Bugs Bunny himself. Bugs Bunny. So <laughs> obvious. Vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm sorry, you're all wrong. It's uh, anyone else besides what you said. <laughs> <laughs> it's anybody except that stupid cat. Sylvester? Yeah, Sylvester the cat. I hated that cat. <laughs> yeah, bathroom break time was always when a Sylvester and Tweety one came on. It was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, and then if, when you're in the other room and you start hearing the noises from the... Uh, Wiley Coyote, and you're like, crap, and you gotta run back in. <laughs> I think this will be the time he catches them. The worst ones were actually the off-brand ones. You know, the ones that didn't have Bugs Bunny at the beginning. <laughs> you're like, who are these guys? <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, Kmart Looney Tunes. Right. right. It's a bunny, but it's definitely not Bugs Bunny. Yeah, it's Bill Bunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, you mean the worst ones weren't the ones when they, they play them from a, they were a little too old? Maybe not quite as politically correct as they're supposed to be. Oh, they're the best ones. <laughs> yeah, they're good now to watch as an adult. Where yeah. like I understand why they're wrong. Maybe seven-year-old me didn't understand the difference. <laughs> if they put oh. them out, they'd have to have a disclaimer before it. Well, some of them were already banned by then. 
Like yeah. the racist toward African American ones were already pulled by the time <laughs> I was a kid. Um, the ones for Native Americans, they were still running them. They didn't care. Let me so just like, say that Looney Tunes are one of my favorite things, and I have introduced my very young children to them. I'm not sure whether I'm a good person for that or not, but it's very difficult in 2017 to go back and watch any Looney Tunes episode without finding something that makes you a little bit squeamish. Like, uh, I don't know, guys. Really, are we going to say that about the Carpathians? <laughs> I remember watching one. Uh, if you've watched it lately, maybe you know, I can't remember who's even in it, but it shows the the last two people on Earth shooting each other. That's the beginning of the cartoon. It's, it looks like World War One. They're in the trenches, and the last two guys shoot each other. And then a cartoon happens after that. Wow. <laughs> no, I don't There's like two guys in full military gear with gas masks on, and they, they shoot each other, and they both die. And then there's like, you know, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> I was like, My what? five-year-old daughter's favorite one is High Diving Hair, which is the one with Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny. Yosemite Sam wants to see Freep the Fearless leap off of the top of the high dive. Freep doesn't show up, so he makes Bugs Bunny do it. But one so of the gags... Is uh, that Bugs Bunny dresses up like a like a American Indian and says uh, he go that way, head him off at the pass, and you're like, okay, oh boy, we're <laughs> running into bad problems here. <laughs> what did he say, Daddy? Nothing. We're shutting this off. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I had that problem when uh, I tried to introduce my. I was like, I'm gonna have my daughter watch Monster Squad while my wife's away, and I realized in like the first five minutes, ooh, if she's gonna watch this show, it's gonna be uh, edited for TV. There's a lot of murdering children on that show. I can deal with murdering children. Murdering children, we can work through. She watches TV, there's violence, she can't escape it. But, like, they bully a fat kid right in the beginning. Oh. They call him <laughs> fat kid the whole time. And then they call him an F word, which is not even the one that daddy sometimes lets slip in the house. Oh, it's no. the one that I definitely do not need her repeating. Right. I which got will you. get me called in and my yeah. parenting called in the question. <laughs> You've got the same problem with the Goonies. Everybody has fond memories of the Goonies. It's the warm and fuzzies about, oh, my fa- favorite childhood movie. Oh, God, they Truffle Shuffle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. torturing that fat kid. They're making listen, him shake his stomach around. And... Listen, I'm going to tell you, as an adult, I once yelled that at a, at a child, okay? <laughs> they were upsetting me at work. <laughs> there was like 12 of them going by, and they decided they were going to harass the poor mailman. <laughs> so they're yelling and screaming and they're, I mean, they're cursing at me. Like they're using some of the words I just said I wouldn't use. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not having it today. And the one kid, it was a, you know, possibly a kid that had had one or too many Snickers and he's screaming. I mean, he is dropping F bomb, F bomb, F bomb again, not the kind I sometimes let slip. And then he used a racial expletive that not only was not cool, was not applicable to me. <laughs> and then I was like, Hey, yo, um, why don't you lift up your shirt and do the truffle shuffle for me? I was not proud of this because he was like 14. <laughs> but all his friends laughed at him. He felt bad. And I thought we were even. <laughs> Until he went to like that next level, I wasn't going to do it. And then I was like, you know what? I feel totally morally justified at this point doing it. <laughs> not a highlight. Well, you know what? It is a highlight. I, you know what? I still feel justified about that. I feel like if I was in the people's court, I would be let off. The only thing... The only thing that would go against me is the age thing, <laughs> as I was an adult and he was a child. <laughs> but he was a teenager. Teenagers aren't real people. They're like redheads. They have no souls. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of no souls, um, this time, for some reason, they don't use a ladder to climb the fence. They just they just pile up mulch. <laughs> yeah, it's climb over. <laughs> you had a ladder last time. I don't know why you need mulch this time. Art has balanced on the top of that fence before. 
Yes, he, on nothing. <laughs> on according nothing. To, yeah, he balanced on apparently just his own gumption because there was nothing he was standing on. <laughs> yeah, Rumsfeld's not happy about Ricky questioning him carrying a gun around the neighborhood. Hey, Rumsfeld, dude, what are you doing with that gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just shut up and paint your goddamn house. <laughs> that was so funny. It's about time somebody told him to paint this friggin' house. Yeah, well, he did paint. <laughs> I mean, there's some paint splotches. He did paint. do, you know, for four days, he's managed to do 11 minutes worth of painting. Yeah, and then he set up his, <laughs> com- his communication base, which really is just him yelling, uh, calling himself Task Force, or their Task Force one, he's Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye, yeah. The most non-imaginative military names ever. <laughs> I know. Couldn't he go for something good? Couldn't he be like, uh, what, is it? what do they go in War Games? Their Crystal Palace? You know, Shangri-La, you know, try for something. I mean, you could go to, he could have gone, uh, again, if this was made today, that would be some sort of pop culture name would be what he was. You know, he'd be regular one or something. He'd be some, he's some science fiction or fantasy thing. He'd be, uh, whatever, like, uh, like Winterfell. He'd be Winterfell. Yeah. I almost remembered the Jagger's names. I could not because Game of Thrones hasn't been on lately enough. It comes on every two years or something. That's yeah, why. Yeah, they're in their one-year hiatus. Yeah. At yeah. least make a joke out of the nicknames. You know, it doesn't have to be a pop culture reference. It could be, like, maybe both. Since he's sending them in to dig into the backyard, you could be, like, uh, Eagle Eye to Dig Dug or something like that. Yeah, it, it it's like when they wrote the script, these were, like, the, um, the placeholder names. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll come up with something clever later. Uh, I do have one question about something he says. He says over the radio, we're all clear. And that's not what my question's about. It's about his line delivery of it. He says, we're all clear. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I hear that, I'm like, was that the only take they had on that one? They couldn't get a, they couldn't get Bruce at the, at the end of the day, and they were like, Bruce, can we get another one? And he's like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and it's off camera, so it could be an 80-yard, it's an 80-yard line. So right. was he just like, no, Bruce Stern does one take, and he's done. <laughs> I think both of these examples, the nicknames and the delivery of the line, I think that those are pretty indicative of 80s movies. I mean, the, wordplay was never a huge thing in the 80s. And, of course, yeah, you can probably think of an exception to the rule. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is one that I would throw out. But for the most part, 80s movies were never about really clever wordplay. They were always about the humor of the situation, how ludicrous the situation was. In particular, these movies, because we're in a we're in a 80s Joe Dante movie here, and he was all about situation and mood where in one moment we're having something ridiculous happen like this, where they're like guys are falling off stuff and they're getting electrocuted, but you could be in a very tense, actual semi scary situation five minutes from now. He does it a little bit in here. I would say he does it even better in gremlins, which is a legit scary movie yeah, and has ridiculous things happening in it too. (laughs) But I mean, I, Chris, I know you've told the story before. Yeah. Show gremlins to a little kid. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Yeah, I slept in my bed for six months. <laughs> my parents did not let me see it until I was a teenager. Oh, my oh. God. I would have thought there were gremlins in a room for a long time. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard about your sheltered life. <laughs> <laughs> my parents took the opposite tact on that. I was allowed to watch anything. And by anything, I don't mean, like, dirty movies, but horror movies. We had We had two TVs, but one was in their room, so obviously I'm never allowed to watch that. The other one was the main TV downstairs. My parents loved horror movies, especially my mom. Come here, four-year-old Jeff. It's time for Poltergeist. (laughs) You you think that's a joke. I watch Poltergeist all the time when I was four years old. Um, Yeah. Don't worry, honey. It's not real. Oh, we're watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I'm six. Oh, so it's not real, right, Mom? Well. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, my parents would have gone the other way. They would have been like, this is real. This <laughs> is focus on the family told me that this is Satan. Well, <laughs> and that he's going to come through the TV screen and take your soul down to hell. We're at the end of our minute now, so I'll bring up something that I mentioned. I tweeted to you guys when you were on Atomic Trivia War after you covered the Burbs, and somebody said that they felt like it was the Burbs turned up to 11, and I said it was turned down to 5. And the reason why I said that is, for all the craziness that happens in this, besides the fact that it's happening over a very truncated amount of time, this was nowhere near as crazy as the stuff I saw happen in my neighborhood. Do everything that they're doing, except add some other factors to it. Add drinking. Yeah. Add smoking. <laughs> add that everybody in my neighborhood was Irish, Italian, and Polish, and some of those people still thought they were in the home country and still holding grudges since then. I saw two middle-aged women get into a fist fight in the middle of the road one day. I live next to an elementary school, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the person that lived right across the street from me, their son robbed our house when uh, my sister was little, broke in. You know, had a knife in his hand, had a thing over his face, so they didn't know who it was. But he wasn't exactly a master criminal, so he got caught. Um, the guy that lived next door to him, we called Crazy – I won't say his real name. Let's say Phil. Crazy Phil. And uh, we called him that because he would do things like mow his lawn at 2 in the morning, stand in the middle of the street with his whole face covered in shaving cream. Did I mention I lived next to an elementary school? <laughs> like this would never fly today. No. Like, the minute that happened, they'd be like, you need to lock him up. <laughs> so – I move out. I go into the Air Force. I get a phone call one day. Hey, guess what happened? Crazy Phil surprisingly went crazy and stabbed his mother last night. And she called 911. When the cops showed up, she was already deceased. They said, hey, uh, Crazy Phil, put the knife down. Put the knife. He charged them suicide by police. Wow. Now, they go on TV, and what do they always do, Jason? You know, who do they interview? The neighbors. The, the neighbor, of course. <laughs> so they interview all the neighbors. Now – Everyone had lived there for 20 years except for my old house because my mom had moved out. The only person that gets on the news is them, who says he was a very nice man. Yes. He, you know, he just sat outside, blah, blah, blah. And then I call my neighbors who lived there next door to us and go, whoa, wait a minute. How come they're on TV? Why didn't they interview you guys? And they're like, oh, they did. I said, <laughs> I said, he's as crazy as a house rat and has been his whole life. We told all our kids to stay away from him the whole time growing up. If he ever came outside, they were to run from him. And he's like, yeah, none of us got on TV, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a hallmark of TV news. Uh, they, they go after the um, poor white man was just misunderstood and the nicest person. He couldn't have done anything wrong, quote. Yeah, everyone was afraid of this guy. And then he did exactly what we all thought he would do someday. So that's when, like, I see this. This is minor <laughs> compared. And those are just a few stories. Those are just some of the, some of the fun tales from my neighborhood. And I lived... As you got, and I know on Tommy Trivia War, most people weren't in, like, some people were kind of more rural, some people were more city. I lived in the suburbs. It was a development that came around in the 50s. It looked like this, except that I didn't live in a cul-de-sac, although I only had one neighbor because I lived next to a friggin' elementary school where all this happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why, maybe that's why this movie resonates so much with me because I knew all these people. You know, the gun-toting maniacs, the people that watched everybody in the neighborhood. I would have neighbors call my mom if they saw my car outside during school hours. Oh, so I guess Jeff took the day off today, huh? <laughs> yeah, they were that much in your business. Well, as a longtime newspaper reporter and editor, I can tell you with 100% certainty that crazy is not confined to the inner city. 
most people like to pretend that it is because that's safe. It's somewhere else. We don't have to worry about it. But uh, right. yeah, if I send a reporter out now or if I go out somewhere to cover something that is weird and crazy, chances are it's probably going to be in a upper uh, well, no, a lower middle class uh, neighborhood with white picket fences and nice houses and all the neighbors are going to be standing out there just like all the neighbors on the burbs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just like anything, like either moving into suburbia or any kind of, uh, say, a job, whether it be firemen, policemen, military or whatever. And they're like, I don't know why these bad apples get in there. Well, where do you think they come from? <laughs> I mean, they're pulled from the same amount of people. You think because you live in the inner city, you're just like you are a bad person for some reason? No, that's just where you live. You or you have think this... because your mommy and daddy make a hundred thousand dollars a year each that you're somehow immune to yeah. the to, to weirdness and and mental illness. You could write this same script with just making changes for location. I could write it for a tenement and make the, almost the exact same story of people yeah. breaking in and climbing up railings out the outside to get into there. <laughs> or you could do it in a huge place with million-dollar houses and make the same story again. Change everything about them. Change everybody's race, religion, sex. doesn't matter. You can still make the exact same movie. But the thing that makes the Burbs so successful and so funny, in my opinion at least, is that they do set it in a white middle-class neighborhood where everything seems perfect. And it's one of those neighborhoods where people refuse to suspect that their neighbors are using drugs, have mental issues, have PTSD uh could be cannibals you know any of the 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 -the run-of-the-mill stuff that we all assume happens in the inner city so i'll run this by you since uh this will be our last minute with you there was another ending of this movie i mean you know how it ends where the clopex are brought out as the bad guys spoiler alert clopex says oh this is shocking outrageous yeah (laughs) there's the other yeah the other ending where the clopex are not the bad guys where they haven't done anything and they give the speech at the end about, you know, neighbors suspecting each other, blah, blah, blah. Which ending do you think is better? Do you like them to be found out as cannibals or would you have preferred it if they were totally in the right and these morons just blew up their house for no reason? In 1989, for theatricality and for humor, the way that it ended is the best way. That's the only way. It's not funny the other way. For today, <laughs> for satire and for moralizing and for telling people that they need to stop being complete idiots and the uh, the era of a certain president uh the the, the good way, the good way the the way where uh, ray and friends ray and company are in the wrong i think i would if i wrote this movie which of course i'll be working on the burbs 2 sequel and sending it to colin hanks <laughs> again yeah again <laughs> i keep following him around he keeps avoiding my phone calls <laughs> i would do it i would probably meet in the middle Whatever I would have these idiots accusing them of, whether it was cannibalism, I would have them not doing that. But I would have them totally guilty of something else that these morons weren't even aware of was happening. Like selling drugs or something? Yes. Something else (laughs) totally not related to what was going on, like something they didn't catch at all. Well, selling drugs would be a step down from cannibalism. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's a lateral move to cannibalism? Yeah, you got to find something that's parallel. Child sex trafficking, I think that's a little tough. It's a little bit dark. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a comedy at that point. But, I mean, they could be doing something else. They could be doing something – they could be not like maybe banking fraud or something like that is too tame. Donating to the Republican Party. (laughs) Donating to the Mr. Burns Political Action Fund. (laughs) 
but they could be doing something else that's maybe not as bad, but something that where they got to do time or that the cops were already looking at them. But then these guys are still wrong. Everything, all their suspicions were wrong. Like right now, pretty much every piece of evidence that's put them in their house is wrong. Like what's their main piece of evidence before they find the femur is the stuff at Walter's house, which they're wrong about. I've got it. It's a bit of a lateral move, but it's also a bit of a switcheroo. You don't make them murderers. You don't make them cannibals. You make them Russian spies. So it takes it away from the, the psychoticness and makes it political. And then you call it the Americans. And, and then you find out that the CIA has been all around the block with snipers and, and you know, counter agents this entire time, and that they've all been watching what, uh, what Ray and company are doing. Yeah, my other thought was, when I talked to somebody else about it, have the Klopex not do it. They're not involved at all. And one of the three guys who's jumping over the fence and checking their house is the one doing it. One of, oh. your, one of your heroes is actually your villain. He's okay, old. so who do you pick, Ray, Art, or Rumsfeld? Well, I guess you can't you can't go Ray. Yeah, I, Ray I mean, it, I think you're betraying the audience if it's Ray. And, and like, you, you can't can... go Rumsfeld because then you're villainizing a veteran. Well, yeah, but you don't have to make him a red veteran in your thing. You could, you could, I throw a couple lines in there about how you get kicked out or something. I mean, could it be, you could be Art, and then you find out his wife's not away. She's dead. Of course, she never existed. You yeah. you cut to his uh, you cut to his attic where there's a skeleton in a rocking chair. <laughs> or he's like a bluebeard. He's got like eleven wives in there. <laughs> I don't know. You got to start working on all these drafts though. We were talking about. We got to remember, uh, Chris, get a uh, Colin agent, uh, get Colin Hanks' agent on the phone. <laughs> yeah, let's get him over here. <laughs> Coming soon, the Burbs Two Minute Podcast. <laughs> all right, I don't think I have anything else. No, mostly it's just uh, talking about radio communication. That's exciting. I I forgot to – I will mention quickly the person I brought up was was Betty Moose. And the only reason why I mentioned her is because her name is Betty (laughs) Moose. And I thought that was funny. Chris, what do you think she did on the crew? I'll tell you she's a crew member. Oh, I was going to guess she was one of the Golden Girls, but um, no, I have no idea. That's why. (laughs) Makeup. She was the assistant to Mr. Dante. Oh. She was born in 1929, so she was 60. So I'm assuming she was like a friend or something. Because the only movies she was on were Airplane, Top Secret, Explorers, Interspace, Burbs, Deceive, Matinee, Second Civil War. And it's all stuff to do with either – it's all Joe Dante gigs in one way or another. But, I mean, still, that's like 10 movie credits to just kind of hang around with Joe Dante. Yeah. yeah. It's good work if you can get it. <laughs> However, you cannot because uh, Joe Dante does not make movies anymore. That's Which is true. too bad. He's one of my childhood favorites. But it's like he had a nice like 10, 12-year run, and he's made other stuff since then. But it's like, oh, you're making that, huh? Okay. What happened? I Someone told me the problem was the studios just weren't going to let him do it anymore. Like, no, you can't make movies the way you want to anymore. And he kind of was like, well, then I'm not doing it. Right. Then I won't make any at all. It's too bad that he didn't defect then and go the John Carpenter route. And just try to go independent. I'll do it myself. If you won't have me, then uh, I'm going to make my own movies. Yeah, like, yeah, he did. I'm trying to think of what movies he's done. He did a TV movie. I don't count that. He did The Hole in 2009. Chris, do you remember The Hole? No, but I remember talking about it on this podcast. Yeah, it keeps getting brought up because there's a movie called The Hole, and then there's another movie called The Hole, one of which I've seen, and I can never remember which one it is. <laughs> it's not this one. Um, he, In 2003, he did Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, well, there you go. And before it, that, he did Small Soldiers. Yeah, which was the last, I would say, big movie that he had. Um, well, it was also the real turning point where you're like, ah, you're going to do a crappy 
CG kids movie. Yeah, and he did Matinee 93, which was okay. It was not special, but before that, he's got Gremlins 2, Burbs. He did segments in Amazon Women on the Moon, which is a highly underrated movie. It's a great movie. Interspace, you know, he's got Explorers, Gremlins, Twilight Zone in the movie, The Howling, Piranha. I mean, that's some quality stuff right there. That was like a nice 10-year run he had. And then he just kind of was like, eh. He became like a – he went from being like a superhero back to being Clark Kent again. <laughs> now he just does a I need a couple dollars gigs. Like he does – you know, he directs Hawaii Five-0. The new one? Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, again, go out to Hawaii and you direct a TV show, which if I'm to believe Kevin Smith is not that hard. Yeah. Well, he he, tell, <laughs> he says he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's like, I just show up and they pretty much do everything. Yeah. He's like, I just tell them, you're doing a great job. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're winding down here. Uh, Jason, why don't you tell the fine people one last time where they could find you? So inclined, you can go ahead and hit me up for the Atomic Trivia War 9000 on SoundCloud or on iTunes or even on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATW9K. Uh, you can also reach me at Twitter uh, at TriviaHawk. And we do trivia. I mean, that's very surprising, I'm sure. But we love to, do, to talk about trivia, handle some quizzes, do some questions, and once in a while, pepper it in with some movie reviews. If you're looking for some more Burbs Minute action, you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter. You can go over to our iTunes, leave us a wonderful five-star uh, rating and a glowing review about how wonderful we are. Um, you can also go over to Amazon and find my book, The Dawn of Mars. If you just can't get enough of me talking at you, you can also read what I have to say. Um, if you enjoy the craziness of this, you might enjoy the craziness of that. There is a pretty high body count if you're into that type of thing. Chris, why don't you tell them about your selling endeavors? <laughs> you can check me out on uh, Chris1200 on eBay for all your uh, wrestling figure needs. Yeah, you got any uh, any Randy Orton over there? I hear that's a hot commodity. He just won the Royal Rumble on Sunday, as a matter yeah. of fact. That might have been why I brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't want Randy Orton. I want Cowboy Bob Orton. How about that? Uh, no, I miss Cowboy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have one of him. Yes, I do have a Cowboy Bob with the yes. cast on his wrist. Good Lord. The cast, his broken arm he had for two years. Is that yeah, he's broken arm for his whole career. All right. God, I'm not talking about wrestling. We're done. We're done. We're, not, we're getting <laughs> out of here. All right. Eagle Eye, we're out of here. Uh, stay safe, neighbors. <laughs>